Matthew 13:33 from the English Standard Version. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like uh, leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. That's it. That's the whole parable. So if you're waiting for some sort of explanation or illumination, it doesn't really exist. Um, but when I read through this, I immediately got all of these like flashbulb memories um, and kind of a, a, a strong emotional response that I wasn't anticipating from reading this. And so that's why I decided um, to kind of pick this parable and focus on this one. But I want to dive in together and hear more about your reactions to this. So when you hear this, what comes up for you? What, what memories or emotions or interpretations you've heard or maybe stories about cooking or baking or experiences from your Lenten practice? What do you think of with this verse? I love that this one little sentence can bring out so many different ideas and um, such richness. So thank you guys for playing along with that. Um, so just some, some general background on this parable um, before we start to talk about some of the details. So in, um, again, this is Matthew 13, 33. In verse 35, Matthew does go on to kind of try and explain that the reason Jesus is speaking in parables is to fulfill prophecy, okay? So, and Matthew does this a lot. He um, really likes kind of pointing out, like, Jesus is the Messiah because look at all of these prophecies he fulfills, right? So Matthew's gospel is the one that starts with um, the lineage at the beginning. And so he does this occasionally. And this parable also shows up in Luke 13, um, without any of that explanation. And it shows up in the non-canonical gospel of Thomas, which I think is interesting, but there's a little bit of a twist on it that we'll talk about later. Um, another thing that I think is really interesting that um, the Jesus Seminar, which was a gathering of religious scholars in the mid 80s, I think is when it started, somewhere in California, I think in Northern California, uh, they got together and they decided to, or I guess the first phase of the Jesus Seminar was to decide on what sayings of Jesus were authentic, right? So looking at the historical person of Jesus and looking through scripture to figure out, okay, what did he probably really say? And they did this by voting with these little colored beads. Uh, the red ones meant that it was very likely that Jesus said this, right? Like the historical person of Jesus said this. There were pink beads that meant it's kind of likely. There were gray beads that meant probably not super likely. And then black beads that were like, probably not. He probably didn't say this, right? This parable was the one voted um, against all of the other parables the most likely to have been actually said by Jesus. And interestingly, um, against all of the sayings um, that Jesus said, so like all of the red letter scripture, this was in like the top 10 list of probably things that Jesus said, which I think is really something to, to take into consideration. But it is just one sentence, and so it gives us a really small cast of characters, right? There's the leaven, there's woman, and there's flour. That's all we know. Um, so starting with the leaven, we've kind of talked about this, and you guys drew some of this out, but it's often translated as yeast. And so if you're thinking about those little foil packets um, or the little brown jars that you get in the grocery store, that's probably the wrong idea. Dan mentioned the kind of sourdough starter, and that's much more likely to be what this was, right? Was like sourdough starter. And so um, the, has anybody ever made sourdough starter? 
a few people. So you may have been more familiar with this now. I know that early in the pandemic, there was a bread shortage that then caused a yeast shortage, and so lots of people were experimenting. I have not played around with this particular kind of fermentation, but I think it's pretty easy. Like, it's really just flour and water and time. Um, and then these natural yeasts start to, to multiply. And so um, that's what we're thinking about here. Um, and growing up in the church, I remember always being taught that leaven um, or yeast was equated to sin. Right? It was a metaphor for something bad, like was mentioned. Um, and you may have heard that too. And when I think about that idea, a very specific memory comes to mind. When I was a junior in high school, I taught the third and fourth grade Sunday school class. And one of our lessons was to, to teach this, right? That leaven was equated um, to sin. And so there was a Bible story that went along to it, but the lesson was to make unleavened bread in class. And so I attempted to do that. Just for those of you who are curious, 45 minutes is not enough time to make crackers and teach a Bible story with third and fourth graders. But we tried hard. Um, and I remember it stunk up the whole hallway. Like, the whole education wing smelled like burnt crackers. Um, but we did it. And um, so this idea that sin and leaven are equated. We see that a lot in the New Testament especially, right? So Jesus talks about, um, I think he warns folks, this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he warns his followers, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And I think in Luke he actually says that that is hypocrisy. And then in, again in Corinthians we see leaven, we see it says the leaven of malice and wickedness, and that is juxtaposed against the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so there are even some interpretations that would go as far as saying that yeast is, um, was impure, right, for, for the Jewish culture. Now, that for us, even though we've heard that a lot maybe, that for us shouldn't be a foregone conclusion that Jesus' audience at the time was hearing it that way, okay? Um, they maybe had heard that kind of, that kind of a metaphor for leaven as sin, um, but it also wasn't something that was necessarily bad or evil, right? Um, and some of the evidence for that is that they were told during Passover that they needed to remove leaven from their homes, right? But the idea that leaven was already in their homes meant that it probably wasn't seen as bad or impure, right? They had to take it out because it was already there. They probably weren't told take the bacon out of your homes for Passover because that didn't exist in their homes. Um, and so this idea that leaven was bad maybe wasn't fully formed, right? Leviticus even gives us instructions on using leavened bread as an offering for God. And so there is a strong likelihood that Jesus' audience, his listeners, um, were just waiting to hear more when they heard this. They wouldn't have immediately jumped to the conclusion that something negative was, was being talked about. Um, so from there, we hear about the woman, right? And we don't know much about this woman. We don't know her age, her marital status. We don't know anything about her family, whether she has children. Um, but because she's in this story about the kingdom of heaven, it's probably safe to assume that we can see her in a positive light, 
okay? The Gospel of Thomas, as I mentioned, this parable is in there, and the Gospel of Thomas actually words it a little bit differently. So Matthew says that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman hides. The Gospel of Thomas actually says the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who hides the, the leaven. And so he says it's, the, Thomas says it's directly related gospel um, that the kingdom of heaven is like the woman rather than the leaven. And so um, beyond that, all we really know is she had leaven and flour, right? That's all we know about this woman. Um, and we mentioned the, that thought that she was hiding it, right? And the word that for hid that is used is in crypto, okay, the Greek word. This is the only time we see this word in the New Testament. Um, however, we, and just for clarity, in crypto, it's much like encrypt, right? The same word that we have today, and it means pretty much the same thing, that something will be concealed. But the root of that word, crypto, was used several times. And it was always used in, not as a verb, but as something that was hidden. But the connotation was that it was hidden, but it would come to light, right? So that we would see it. So like was mentioned, why did she have to hide it if she knew it was coming to light? We don't really know. Um, the last thing that we have to, to talk about is the flower, right? And it is at this point, when I start learning about the flower, this is the point, like I can hang with the parable until this, and then I get to this point and I'm just like, what? Because the flour, it's not a little bit of flour. She's not making a loaf of bread, okay? It says she used three measures of flour. This is not three cups. Three measures of flour would have been the equivalent of 40 to 60 pounds of flour. So this is a huge amount of food. Um, and just, so just for a frame of reference, if you don't bake, my favorite bread recipe uses seven cups of flour. That's about two pounds, and it makes two small to medium loaves of bread. So 60 pounds of flour is like five dozen loaves of bread. Um, and I, like, I can't imagine how tired my arms would be if I had to knead 60 pounds of dough. And when I was reading through this, I was thinking, I lived in Africa for a time and worked at primary schools. And at these schools, there were women who volunteered to come in every day and cook lunch for the students. And they did this in kind of a makeshift shed with corrugated tin roof over a fire. And they used this huge vat, like this huge cast iron cauldron that they cooked the staple food, which was like, um, like a stiff cornmeal mush. They cooked all of this in and they cooked it for the entire school. And so it took hours. They had to be, get there way before any of the students because they had to boil all this water. And I remember I was chatting with them one day and they're like, go, go stir that for us. And so I went over there and this, this, the spoon, there's a wooden spoon that is the size of a boat paddle. It was almost as tall as I am. And I went to stir it and I literally couldn't move it. Like it was like trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Like I couldn't <laughs> move this paddle through there. And one of the, they laughed at me rightfully and went over and these women just started stirring like it was nothing, it was amazing to me. But that's kind of the image that I got for this woman is that she, to be able to make this much flour, she must have been used to it, right? Like, or had help. But that is a, an inordinate amount of flour. Um, and interestingly, there we, ha we hear that three measures of flour in other places in the Bible, 
right? Like there is a link between that exact, that three measures of flour to other stories. Most notably, we hear it in Genesis 18, I think. Genesis 18, um, and it's the story when like three strangers came and knocked on the tent of Abraham's door, um, and he met them with this immense hospitality, right? Three strangers come in, and he tells Sarah, go, go make bread with three measures of flour, right? So there's three people, and again, they're making like 60 pounds of bread. Um, and these strangers later then told Sarah that she would be having a child. And so we have that connection. Um, but with that idea of, of this inordinate amount of dough, a small amount of yeast, and the woman facilitating this, we know that somehow this is all likened to the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Um, what does it mean for us? And my answer is I have absolutely no idea. Right? Like, it is completely unclear to me. Um, there are a lot of interpretations. Um, maybe the parable is telling us that these small hidden acts can have a huge effect, right? Like this tiny amount of starter leavening 60 pounds of dough. Or maybe it means the exact opposite, and we are encouraged to do things with extravagant generosity, right? Like making a huge amount of flour for three strangers who show up at the door. Maybe it's reminding us that everything is spiritual, right? From these pearls of great price to everyday things like the stinky sourdough starter sitting on your kitchen sink. And maybe it's just Jesus reminding us that heaven may not be this big political superpower that Israel will become. And it may not be us um, walking on golden streets and hanging out with angels in the afterlife, but maybe it's just a table where everybody has enough to eat. We don't know. But I think that the important part isn't necessarily the meaning, it's the questioning that when Jesus spoke in parables, they always had some element that was unexpected. There was always something that would make his listeners stop and think. Maybe it was outright subversive, maybe it was just something that was a little bit confusing, but no matter what, it was something that would kind of take folks aback. And they can still do this today. Um, and the disciples, I think, helped us show that we may not always get it right when we try and figure out what he's saying, right? These 12 people got to eat with him and travel with him and have conversations with him, and they still got it wrong all the time. So how in the world are we expected to get it right? But maybe our job isn't to really figure it out. It's not to solve it. It's just to ponder. Um, and I kind of like that because when I have a problem that I solve, um, I can check it off and not think about it anymore. Right? I can move it to the back of my mind. I don't have to deal with it. It's off my plate. But I don't want that to happen when I'm thinking about God. I don't want that to happen when I'm thinking about the kingdom of heaven. I want that to be on the forefront of my mind. I want that to be a problem that I'm thinking about constantly. I want to know how I can continue to build the kingdom or try to, to continue to better understand the mystery of God. I don't want to be able to solve that problem. 
And I think that one of the beautiful things about the parables is that even though they're cryptic, they're also really relatable. Um, Jesus uses these common everyday things and these, these commonplace stories so that we can see ourselves in them, right? At different points in our lives, um, or maybe different points in our week, we might see ourselves in different ways in each of these stories. And that, that view, that place where it resonates with us might change a hundred times over the course of our life. Um, and I love that in Godly Play, we've started encouraging our kiddos to do the same thing, right? So they hear a Bible story and they are asked, I wonder where you see yourself in this story. And I'm sure that the answer that they have this Sunday is going to be different than the answer they have next story and throughout their lives. But they get to, to identify with these things, with the messages of Jesus. Um, and even when those, those identities, even when those interpretations may not be right, they can still help us draw closer to God. Um, I kind of said that I picked this parable because it brought up so many different memories for me. Um, when I read this scripture and about the woman who was using this leaven, I thought about my mom, who used to bake all of the time. And I remember her pulling dough that was proofing and punching it down and rolling it out to make cinnamon rolls for families who needed a meal. Um, I remember my father, who made pancakes for us every Sunday morning after church. And I remember him teaching me how to look at the bubbles in the pancakes to know when they were ready to flip so that I didn't fling pancake batter all over the kitchen. Um, and I think of those women in Africa who made vats of bohobe to feed school children who may not have had any other meals that day. And I think about our small group piling into a kitchen to make a communal meal together after church. Um, and the thousands of other shared meals and failed cooking experiments um, and good company over food that I've experienced. And even though I have no idea what this parable means, it still helps me to see the kingdom of heaven. <laughs>